Welcome to the second episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm Elena Vasquez. I'm Mia Ferrer. I'm Catherine Alonso. And I'm Gabriel Pelaez. And we're your hosts for this morning, this afternoon, or tonight's show, whenever and wherever you're watching this. Today we have a special guest, Mr. Fleitas. He is a high school English teacher at Youth Co-op Preparatory Charter School. How do you feel about being a special guest on today's podcast? Well, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. I was really caught off guard when I had uh, one of my student groups ask me to be a special guest on the podcast. So I'm glad that we're making it happen. So we've gathered some questions for you. So would anyone like to start off? I'd like to go first. Well, I want to start off by saying we're so glad you were able to make it to our podcast today. And here are some questions that I have come up with to ask you. So the first question is, in your opinion, what is the best and worst part of teaching? Hmm. Okay. Well, by far, the best part about teaching is the students, the kids. I know that sounds like the obvious sort of answer, but what I mean more by that, more uh, by that, is that students and especially young students have a tendency to see things that us adults don't see. And I feel that since I've begun teaching, I've gotten a different perspective on what exactly education is and what it means. And I think a big reason for that is because of the relationships that I've been able to build uh, with my students. And by far, I think that the students are the reason why I, I feel like I, I have a great job. Unfortunately, the worst part of my job are the adults. So funny enough, uh, if, if the students are the best part of the job, uh, <laughs> I would say that the adults are the worst part of the job. And what I mean by that is that at the end of the day, adults are making these decisions and oftentimes in schools, these decisions are made in the best interest of the adults and not the students. And this is something that really bothers me about the profession. And that's, that's definitely the one part of the job that I'm not so happy about. The fact that I feel that it's adults making decisions for kids in the best interest of adults. Wow, okay. That's very interesting. It seems like you really care about your students. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode of the Blitz podcast is sponsored by the one and only Netflix. Is there ever nothing to watch on your regular cable TV? Well, Netflix has you covered. From shows to movies for every age group, like Stranger Things, Grey's Anatomy, American Horror Stories, and The Office, you'll never be able to stop watching. Comedies, thrillers, and so much more. All this for just $13.99 a month. And for premium, $17 a month. All this entertainment just clicks away. Hello, Mr. Flaitas. I'm so happy you're here. Everything you've said so far is very enlightening. It is I, Catherine Alonso, and I've prepared here some juicy questions for you. Starting with, what is the worst way you've been disrespected by a student, and what led them to do so? Well... The most disrespectful thing I feel that any student could ever do to me is cheat. Now, when I say cheat, I don't necessarily mean that you work together with other people and you 
come up with solutions or responses to assignments. I mean cheat in which you are challenging the actual learning experience. You're kind of watering down or you're taking away from the learning experience. So the most disrespectful thing that has ever happened to me as a teacher is when I caught some of my favorite students, some students that I felt I built the strongest relationships with. I caught them cheating. And it literally made me rethink my entire career. I thought about, well, what kind of a role model am I actually setting? If uh, my favorite students would do this in my class, what are the values that I'm actually trying to teach as an educator? And it just shook my world, it really did. And what I led, what I think led them to cheat, desperation, students cheat when they don't know what else to do. Students cheat when they don't feel prepared to accomplish something, I guess. Uh, I don't wanna think poorly of them, but by far the most disrespectful thing that has ever happened is when I caught a group of my favorite kids cheating on a rather important assignment in my class. Yeah, I totally agree with you with the fact that it could be very disrespectful. And I really like the fact that you don't try to think of it in a bad way, that you try to see a reasoning as to why they would do it. And overall, I just think, you know, you're a great teacher for thinking the way you do. Thank you. Moving along with Eliana. Thank you, Catherine. And I'm so glad you were able to make it to the podcast today. So my first question for you is, why did you decide to make your Zoom calls more like interactive and entertaining in general? When we got the news that, yeah, we're doing virtual school, we're doing distance learning, mm -hmm. we're doing 100% virtual instruction, my instant gut reaction was, well, then class is going to be reduced to a live stream. And that's essentially what, what, what school is right now. It's a live stream. So we are a form of media. With that thinking, I had to think of ways to compete for students' attention. Because when you're home, you can have a Twitch streamer on one screen, you can be watching YouTube videos on this screen. You can be on Discord with your friends. You can be playing video games. You can be doing so many different things at the same time. What can I do to try to get your attention? Obviously, some people are just going to be paying attention because it's school, but not everybody. So I'm not going to lie. This whole idea with co-host, headline reporter, chat moderator, all these things I thought of day one day one even before day zero i should say before the year even started i had this this vision this this imagination that if we produced the class more like a show and more like a source of media rather than a class i would be a little bit more effective at getting people's attention i hope it has worked um but the truth is that there's still people who are not interested and I take a lot of my inspiration from local radio. So to me, it's all about content, 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 content. We are a media source and we're trying to put on a show and be entertaining for everybody. Yeah, I really like the way like that you made the Zoom call in general because my other classes, like I'll sit there and like I can tell they're just trying to get through the, like, the teaching, right? Like they're just trying to give you the information, you do the work. But like with you, I just like, I look forward to your class is what it is. 
Mm. You know, like, it's just so fun. And everybody, I can tell that everybody's having fun while being in your class. And I just think, like, the fact that you thought of that and for your students, like, most teachers I don't think would. It's just, like, it's very, I don't know, I just really like I just really like it. It, it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, Ellie and I. A yeah. lot of work goes into the the extra little things that people. Yeah, don't I can see. imagine, especially like the planning and the soundboard and like the little co-host thing that you do with like the skeleton or whatever. I found that is very funny. Mm. But um, For funny story, funny story. I don't wanna, I don't wanna uh, 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 walk over your question. Here, no, yeah, go ahead. Skelly Bones, I kid you not, was such an improvised decision. It was day one, literally the, or like the day zero, right before school started, the Friday before I was in my room and I have this skeleton. I just always had this skeleton and I kept it because I wanted to use it for something else. And I thought, what if I sat the skeleton on the chair and talked to it? And I mean, the rest is history. I, I, yeah. I, ra I ran away with the idea. And, and it, although I had this idea of having a show, I never thought, what if I just talk to an object and it's kind of like my my producer or something like that? Yeah. And and that's that's the the legend of Skelly Bones. Uh, which no, let me tell you, Skelly Bones is something that me and my friends talk about constantly. You were just too funny with him. Like he has a whole personality and everything. Like it's too much. But um, no. But my second question that I have is it's like a basic question, but like why did you decide to become an educator in the first place? I think the best way to answer this question is to tell you where I started in school. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, I had a really high GPA, a really, really high GPA. Um, in fact, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to gloat or anything like that, but I was, number th I was number three in my class. I graduated with the third highest GPA. And of course, I got a bunch of um, my whole life being told, you can be an engineer, you can be a lawyer, you can do this, you can do that. And, and, and what I learned is that my family and the people around me, even my teachers, were always suggesting for me to do jobs that pay a lot of money. Mm -hmm. When I got into school, I started as an engineering major and I knew that I didn't wanna do it. So after my first semester, I switched to um, a journalism major, didn't like it. And by my second year of college, I decided to finally be an English major. And it, it happened like this. I, I went to see one of my old high school teachers. She's a mentor of mine, uh, Miss Ondar, which right now she's the reading coach at Hylia High, if I'm not mistaken. And I asked her, what do you think would be good? Would Excuse me. Do you think it would be good for me to study English? And she gave me the answer that I give to all my students today. Yeah, go for it. Why not? And, and I never looked back. I never looked back. And a part of me feels like I started teaching primarily for two reasons. Number one, there's this weird feeling inside of me to go against the grain. I just, I don't know, maybe I, I was born with something that just made me want to go against the status quo. So all these people my whole life telling me, oh, you can make a whole lot money, uh, excuse me, a whole lot more money doing other things, or uh, don't be a teacher because it's not worth the pay, or don't be a teacher yeah. because you're better than that. Uh, it always made me feel like, why, first of all? And second of all, when I was growing up, I realized, you know what, this, this is a very scary world, and this world is not a perfect place, and there's a lot of problems in this world. What can I do to fix that? And I ended up determining, well, 
If I teach, I'll be in contact with a whole lot more people than if I do an office job or I'm a lawyer yeah. or I'm this and I don't interact with people. So to, to concisely answer the question, I, I began teaching because it's my way of giving back to the community. It's my way of giving back to the world. It's my way of doing my part in trying to make the world a better place than when I grew up. So that's that's my that's my short answer. Yeah, that's great. I feel like most people like they do jobs because of the money. They don't do it because they like it. You know, like even if it's a low pay or even if it's like something that other people wouldn't like primarily want you to do. I feel like doing the job you love is really it's everything, you know. If I can say one last thing, um, Ellie and I, mm -hmm. it's although you're going to hear your entire life, you know, you got to make good decisions for yourself. You need to make decisions that are in your best interest. Yes, it is true that the more money you make, the easier life becomes. However, if at the end of the day, your primary motivation for doing your job, for doing your career is the paycheck, that's going to get old. And no matter how much money you make, no matter how many riches or luxuries you have, you'll get bored of it. So I encourage not only you, but anyone, don't chase the money. The money will come. You gotta chase what you actually wanna do. You gotta, not to be cheesy, you gotta follow your heart. Follow your dreams, <laughs> do what yeah, you that's a great. Do. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. No, but you become a teacher is, it was like, it's a very good thing for everybody, especially the students in the school. Like I can tell like, they really like you. Like. I can, I don't know. I can just tell that like you're one of their favorite teachers because most of the teachers don't really like put this much effort into like a little Zoom call, you know. Thank you. I appreciate your words. Thank you. Yeah. No problem. But um, I'm gonna pass this on to Gabriel now because I'm sure he has questions to ask you. So. Thank you, Ali and I. I sure do have questions to ask. So, Mr. Flatus, how did you decide on using the soundboard? Wow. So that is. Okay, I need to take you back a little bit. When the pandemic started in March, it was very obvious that everyone was super scared. Nobody knew what was happening. Nobody truly understood the changes that were going to occur. The one thing that I, that I think we all felt was that this is going to be difficult, not only because some people will be affected by the virus, but also Students are not used to this sort of education. They're not used to school in this way. And because of all the tension, because of all the uncertainty and all the, how should I say, the fear that some people might have felt, I decided, well, these shows need to be an absolute joke. They have to be truly enjoyable. They have to be something that the students are gonna be able to just forget about the fact that there is a worldwide pandemic and that's why we have to do school online. And so I downloaded a soundboard. The idea actually started a little bit before because I, I wanted to start using a sound on my phone when I was in the classroom. But then once the pandemic started and I realized what's about to happen to school, I made the decision, okay, I'm gonna use a soundboard and it is going to be what I do to make the class time more enjoyable, to make it more goofy, to introduce more shenanigans than ever before. And it was truly just to try to make class time really lighthearted, to make it feel like there's a lot of problems going on, 
but you don't have to worry about them at least for right now and that's the that's the essence of where the soundboard came from it was an attempt to make class a place where people can just forget about the horrible pandemic that was occurring outside uh, of their homes well i think that using the soundboard was a very effective method of doing just that it makes the students feel like it makes the students feel that the class is way more fun than it could have been in example a different class that wouldn't have the soundboard or the design that you've created for your class agreed agreed totally on the last question of the podcast what do you think other teachers could improve to make their lessons more engaging so i don't want to get in any trouble for suggesting what i'm going to suggest or for saying what i'm going to say but when i first started my first year teaching I think I was a rather boring, mediocre teacher. And it's because I fell into this little trap that I feel a lot of other teachers fall into, especially when they start. Most adults, their last memory of school is being in a college class with the professor giving a lecture and everyone just stays quiet and takes notes. What we forget is that when we were children, that is something we absolutely did not want to do because it's boring. My approach um, after my first year, which by the way, my first year, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly uh, precisely what my classes were like. It's just, all right, everyone, listen to me because I'm super smart and I have amazing things to teach you. Uh, Kids don't care about that. Kids don't care how smart adults think they are. They really don't. So my suggestion to any teacher, young, veteran, new, whatever subject is You always have to keep in mind, what are the students supposed to be doing? What do you want them to do? Because if you end up finding that the the number one action, right? Emphasis on action. The number one action that you want your students to do the majority of the time is listen to you. That's a problem because listening is not an active thing it's not an action it's it's the expectation that someone will be passively listening and passively taking in this information and now that you've heard me talk for an hour you should be smarter um, I don't think that's the right approach and, and I think that that some some teachers can definitely improve their lessons by thinking about well what exactly are they asking the students to do and what exactly are the students contributing to the actual learning experience? I think that that's a great answer. The teachers should try to make the classes more engaging in exactly that way, trying to involve the students into doing more instead of just listening to what teachers say, giving them more activities. I think that that is a great approach into the learning experience. I think we can all agree that we've enjoyed the time we've had with Mr. Fleitas. On that note, we've made it to the end of our podcast. Thank you once again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy that I had this opportunity to join the show and talk about things that we might not have time to talk about in class. So thank you for the invitation. You're welcome. And I hope you are all excited to listen to our future podcast. Have a great week. Blitz Podcast signing out.